you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Airing the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination in godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Hi, and welcome to Airing the Addisons. Will and Miki are out this week, but I am Pastor Jeff Shreve, and my wife Debbie and I are here to uh, to talk with you and to share today and tomorrow. We are looking forward to uh, what God is going to do in this hour and then uh, tomorrow. I am the pastor at First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas, and also uh, the pastor at From His Heart Ministries, and that's heard every weekday at 6 o'clock Central on American Family Radio. Well, this week is Thanksgiving week. Turkey week. Yes, and it's a time for families to get together. It's a time for good food. It's a time for uh, football and fellowship and a lot of fun. Man, that's a lot of Fs there. I'm not so much into the football part, but I agree with all the rest. Well, you know, uh, for lots of us, me included, we love Thanksgiving, love holiday time because it it uh, is a time for our family to get together. But uh, for other people, uh, the holidays can be very, very difficult. Right. Well, you know, when you think about the holidays, Jeff, this holiday coming up just in a few days, particularly Thanksgiving, because I actually prefer Thanksgiving over the Christmas holidays in that you don't have to worry about the stress of gifts. You just get to be with family and enjoy family. You don't have that added burden of gift giving and that kind of thing. Um, not that I don't like gifts because I do, but it but it is a lot of work. Um, but if you had to just describe in one word how you feel about the Thanksgiving holiday, what would you say that word would be? My word would be family because from the time I was little, Thanksgiving was a time that my aunt and uncle came from California and uh, they were there with us and uh, it was just everybody was together and it was a, just a lot of fun being together and we played charades and other kinds of games and went out to eat. And That was not something we did a lot of, but when my uncle would come, we right. would do that. And uh, so that was, uh, that's just kind of embedded in me. And uh, from being in college, I always look forward to Thanksgiving because you got to go home for uh, a few days and then you knew Christmas was right around the corner. Yeah. Now, growing up as an only child, I had a different experience with all of that because my family was a lot smaller. Um, but then having lost my parents at such an early age, um, family came to mean a lot different to me. I came to cherish it so much more because I guess until I suffered that loss, I didn't, I just kind of took family for granted. Like they were just always going to be there. We were always going to have our holidays together. They were always going to be there. And um, that first holiday after each one of my parents died, th that was rough because it's just the whole picture and the whole scene changed as that evolved. And now as an adult and be more the, the head of the family, because my parents are deceased, um, 
Sometimes when I think of the holidays, I think of, oh, this is a lot of work. There's a lot of cooking. There's a lot of preparing. There's a lot of preparation. There's there's just a lot to be done from my vantage point. Not that I don't enjoy it and that I don't love it, but it also is counterbalanced by the fact that if I'm not too careful, I can let all of that weigh in way more heavier than it needs to and can take away some of the fun for me. Yeah, well, for sure, the holidays are a lot more difficult for you than me. Right. Um, I get to just kind of enjoy. You just I'm, get to eat and kind of enjoy. I'm not a cook. Yeah. So, um, but I'm I'm willing to help. Speaking of eating and stuff, because that is, you know, let's face it, that's one of the things people enjoy the most about the holidays. I ran across this trivia question the other day and I thought it was boggling the answer, but on average, how many calories does the average American consume on Thanksgiving Day? Well, I you had asked me this yesterday and I guessed at 5,000. Yeah. What's the actual- The actual answer is anywhere from 4,500 up to 6,000 calories in one day. That's a lot. The average American consumes on Thanksgiving Day. That's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. I mean, that's a lot more than most people eat in four days, you know? So, well, maybe not you, but, you know, if you're watching yeah. things, that's more than you would eat in four days. Well, it is a, it is a wonderful time of good food and, and maybe, you know, traditional Thanksgiving food and then lots of desserts and things like that. Um, you know, when you think about the holidays, uh, for those who have lost loved ones, as you shared about losing your mom and dad, um, it makes it different and it's a, it's a new normal. Some people don't like that term, a new normal. I, I've heard people tell me that before. I, I hate that. That's a, it's not a new normal. But the reality is it is a new normal. I mean- Things have changed. When my dad died for my mom, I mean, everything was different. Mm-hmm. And she had to get used to living by herself and uh, not having her- lifelong companion there anymore. And, and now it's been eight years. Mm -hmm. Is that right? I think eight years since my dad's been gone. And so she has adapted to a new normal. She doesn't necessarily uh, love it, (laughs) uh, but she's learned to say, all right, Lord, this is, this is what you have planned for me and I trust you. And so I'm going to keep moving on. So we have some people that are dealing with loss. And so when you talk about the holidays and the idea of surviving the holidays, they're really thinking in terms of how do I get through this? Right. Uh, other people, there's family tension and they know that they're going to be around family at Thanksgiving and at Easter or Christmas time. And I don't like my sister. I don't like my brother. I don't like my cousin. I don't, you know, that kind of thing. And there's tension and so they're dreading it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have a lot of moms that are thinking, I have so much cooking to do. I have so much shopping to do that they're just thinking about it. They get exhausted. Right. And so uh, so we have this idea, I survive the holidays. I get through the holidays. I can't wait till January. <laughs> and uh, I think about that when I do weddings. And sometimes the bride and groom get so stressed, especially the bride, that she's just thinking, I just, I just want to get through this. And I say, wait a minute, time out. This is supposed to be a wonderful time. You know, the, you don't want to just get through this. You want to enjoy this. Uh, throw out the idea that you're going to have the perfect wedding or this is going to be the perfect Hallmark card for your Thanksgiving and Christmas. Just enjoy the moment and enjoy the fact that you are with family because you're not 
you're not owed that. And next year, that might not be there. The same people around the table may not be around the table. So enjoy the time that you have with family and friends and just say, God, this is, this is the, um, the circumstances I'm in and I want to trust you in those and I want to, uh, to enjoy those to the full and the, the good and the bad. Well, Jeff, what would you say to those people that are listening now that are that have that mindset? They've, they've just gone through a loss. This is going to be their first holiday season to experience without that loved one there. They're going to see that empty seat, that empty chair. Um, they're not going to hear that voice that they're used to seeing and hearing and laughing with at the holiday. Um, what are some things that you would say to them to encourage at this time? Well, I tell people that are going through hard times like that, especially the the pain of loss, you have to focus on what you have, not what you've lost. Um, you have to focus on the fact that, you know, if, if you had a loved one and uh, you only had, maybe it's the devastating loss of a child, you only had 10 years with that that son or daughter, you can look at all the years that you don't have, or you can look at the 10 years that God gave you with that child and be thankful for those 10 years and be grateful for that. Um, in the the loss of a spouse, you know, you're grateful for that person being in your life for however long you had them. And you, you have to focus in on that because if not, you get, you get bitter and you get resentful and you feel like God cheated you. Well, God doesn't owe you anything, so he can't cheat you out of anything because everything that you have is a gift. And you have to see it that way so that your heart remains thankful. And the reality is um, grieving is a process and you can't shortcut the process. Right. And it it's painful uh, to lose a loved one. It's painful to experience tremendous loss. But the Lord says, when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will, you know, I will fear no evil, the psalmist says, because you are with me. And even though I have to walk through it, now notice you walk through it, you don't camp out there in the valley of the shadow of death. You don't live there uh, day after day, month after month, year after year. Some people get stuck in the valley of the shadow of death and the Lord would say, you need to move on. This has happened, just like it says in Joshua chapter one, Moses is dead, Joshua, but we are moving on to the promised land. I'm not dead. Your God was not Moses. Your God is me, and we are going forward. Well, I know that uh, when I was going through my first season of grief, when my mom passed away, a, a couple of things that I really felt the Lord taught me during that time was, number one, that you you have to grieve. You have to take the time to grieve. And the holidays are a time when when that's brought back up to the surface because you're so cognizant of the loss at a holiday time. And so to understand that it's okay for your heart to be heavy, it's okay to grieve, it's okay to be sad. Right. Um, you just don't want that to monopolize the entire holiday, but, but you have to give a time for that. Right. You have to permit that to happen. And and then also to realize that everyone grieves differently. They grieve at a different pace. They grieve in different ways. Each person around your holiday table had a different relationship than you with the person that's no longer there. And mm -hmm. so you can't 
you can't confine people to your definition of what grief looks like because they may grieve completely differently than you. And it may hit them at different times and hit them in different ways than it, than it hits you. Well, so long as, as they do grieve, you right. know, some people try and put off the grief. They're just going to pour myself into my job or uh, into recreation or something that takes my mind off of that. I think it's healthy to have certain things that take your mind off it so you're not just consumed with it but you can't short circuit that you mm. can't try and say well I'm bypassing the grief mm. because it's it's there you know I mean it, if you chop your arm off you can't say well I'll I'll feel the pain later I mean it is there and uh and you know the sooner that you deal with the grief and you you press into it and not try and run away from it God can bring healing to those who press in because when you press into the grief, you're pressing into the Lord and saying, God, I need you to heal my wounded heart. Well, and you know, the Bible promises that, that God draws near to those who are brokenhearted. So he is, he is so very close to us in Psalm 34, 18, it says the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. And so even if we can't sense his presence, we can trust in the fact that he is so near and so close to us in those times of grief and in those times of pain. And another lesson that I learned in my grief process was that it is for a season that my heart didn't stay that heavy forever. Mm-hmm. And um, I had to walk through that heavy hearted time, put one foot in front of the other and walk through it. But there was a time when my heart was light again. Right. And I, I can remember um, when I was in, in the throes of it initially after my mom had passed away that I would look at people and they would be going out to dinner, going to the movies or laughing with their friends. And I would think, hold on, how are you doing this when my world has been blown completely apart? Right. And um, the encouragement in that is, my heart was able to do that again also right. once once god started healing those things in me and 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 time had passed i was able to be lighthearted again and i think that's such an encouragement because there are people listening today that your heart is so heavy and you think am i ever going to be able to be lighthearted again and the answer is yes Yes, Yes. you will be able to. And the other thing, too, I think with people going through uh, the grieving process is to make sure you engage with people. Uh, You don't need to pull away and be isolated. And you have things that you can share. You know, Grief Share in our church has ministered to so many people as they come together and share their grief with one another and they receive uh, comfort and healing through that. So we will be back after the break and we will be discussing surviving and thriving in the holidays. All right, welcome back to the broadcast. Pastor Jeff Shreve here, along with my wife, Debbie, and we're filling in for Will and Miki. We're talking about surviving the holidays, and not just surviving the holidays, but 
surviving and thriving in the holidays to really get to enjoy the holidays, no matter what your experience may be, what your circumstances may be. So we talked about in that first segment, when you're dealing with the loss of a loved one and the holidays are here, but how about uh, dealing with holidays when there's family tension? It's the worst. And you know, you're going to see person X that you don't normally see because you don't like them but they're going to be at the family gathering. So how do you deal with that tension? Well, I think uh, one of the main reasons that we can feel tension with family members is that um, they've wounded us in some way, shape or form. They've hurt us. And if we're being honest, we have some unforgiveness in our hearts towards them. And uh, it's when we learn to forgive and make that choice to do that, that it can free us up to extend more grace to them. Now, that doesn't mean we don't need to keep a firm boundary in place when we're dealing with them, um, because God gives us wisdom to do that. But I think it's real important uh, to make sure that our hearts are clean before the Lord and that we are not harboring any unforgiveness in our own hearts for past hurts or past frustrations or whatever it may be, disappointments that they, this person, family member has caused us or brought into our lives. Yeah. And I think it's good with, um, when you have a a conflict with somebody to, you know, uh, I talked to a couple just yesterday and there's a massive family conflict and they're wounded deeply. Um, but you have to see things from the other person's point of view to figure out, okay, why I know how I feel about them, but how do they view me? What are, what are they holding on to? What did I do something to them that would cause them to be uh, angry with me or resenting me? And if it's something that we've done that, uh, we would say, yeah, that was wrong. I shouldn't have done that then the scripture is clear. If you, Jesus said, if you go and present your offering and you remember that your brother has something against you, go and be reconciled to your brother first and then come and present your offering. Make things right horizontally so that you can worship vertically and that there's nothing uh, that's, that's clogging the pathway to fellowship with God. Because when we don't forgive, And when we don't seek forgiveness, when we've wronged somebody, the Lord says, hey, I'm not going to hear you. I'm not going to, uh, you're not going to get close to me until you correct that relationship. Well, I think it's important to remember, too, that the only person that we can control is ourselves. Right. So we cannot control another person's response to us. We have no no way to control that, but we can control how we respond and the things that we say, the thoughts that we have, the feelings that we allow to control us. We we can control those things. And so it's important that we take responsibility for that. And there's such a, a link between the freedom that forgiving someone gives and an attitude of thankfulness and gratefulness in your heart. Those are so linked together. And um, I mean, it's because we have vertically been forgiven by God that we're even able to love and extend forgiveness to other people and to have a grateful and a thankful heart. And I, I just think at this time of year during this particular season, you know, we're just reminded constantly just by the very name of the holiday itself that it's all about thanksgiving and gratefulness. And so that's an important element in all of it. Well, it says in the book of Romans chapter five, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have 
obtained our inheritance by faith into this grace in which we stand and we exult in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance and perseverance, proven character and proven character, hope and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who he has given to us. Remember this, when you deal with that difficult family member, that difficult person, that difficult in-law around the holidays, if you're a believer in Jesus, the love of God has been poured out within your hearts through the Holy Spirit whom, whom God gave to us. The Holy Spirit loves that person that's hard to love. You may say, I can't love this person because of X, Y, and Z, but the God who lives inside of you loves that person. And so just by faith, you may need to pray and say, Lord, I don't love this person. I don't even like this person, but you love them and you like them. And Jesus, you died for them. So love through me and just let me get out of the way and help me to see that person the way you see that person and not the way I see that person. Right. And I, I think it, only God can enable that in you because there are some people that um, in and of yourself, it, you just can't do it. You can't pull it off. You cannot love them in your in your flesh because they just rub you the wrong way. Or your personalities just clash or maybe they truly have deeply, deeply wounded you. And and I do think there's circumstances where you just have to make sure you have a firm boundary in place. Um, and there are situations that most assuredly require that. Um, but we are required and commanded by the Lord to forgive. And that is not a a suggestion or a good idea. I mean, we're, we're commanded to do that. And so to walk in obedience with him, we have to be willing to do that. Yes. And I think it's important to remember too, that, uh, hurting people hurt people. So if you have a, a person that you're going to be be seeing at the holidays and they're very difficult to be around because they're cutting, they're uh, just mean, uh, some of the things that they say, maybe they're vulgar, maybe they do that on purpose because they know you're a Christian and so they'll just say things for shock factor and um, you know, it's just just to know there's probably some wound in their heart that's making them that way. And so rather than getting angry at them, you can kind of look at them with, with compassion and mercy and pity and just say, there's a hurt there somewhere. And that's what's causing them to act like this. And, um, and they're, they're bitter because they're hurting. And so if, if I can focus in on the hurt, I don't respond in kind to them. I respond in compassion. You know, God is compassionate with us. One of the things I love, Exodus 34, that gives God's resume, the Lord, the Lord God, and he tells Moses who he is, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth. That's right off the bat about God. The first thing he says about himself is I'm compassionate and I'm gracious and I'm slow to anger and I am overflowing with love and truth. Loving kindness is a great Old Testament word, hesed, C-H-E-S-E-D. It's used over and over again in the Old Testament. God's love and his kindness put together, New American Standard translates it, loving kindness. It's probably the counterpart in the New Testament is grace, God's Mm -hmm. grace. 
his unmerited favor to undeserving sinners. And God has grace for us and God has loyal love and faithful love for us. Okay, well, you know, we talked about the command to forgive, but we're also commanded in the in the Bible to be thankful, to rejoice always, to to pray without ceasing. So let let's talk about that for a minute. This whole idea of how we can go about having a thankful and a grateful heart. Well, okay, so 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, I preached on that yesterday. Uh, three commands from the Lord, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will in Christ Jesus concerning you. So we talk about first rejoicing always. You say, how in the world do you rejoice always? You make a choice to rejoice. And the rejoicing is always in the Lord. Philippians 4.4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Paul was in prison when he wrote those words. He was chained between two Roman guards, and yet he said, I can rejoice in the Lord always. You don't rejoice in circumstances per se. You rejoice in the Lord. You rejoice in the God who's over the circumstances because you know God is good. God loves me. And God is working all things together for good to those who love him. And I am one who loves him. So I can trust him implicitly and completely and just say, Lord, I rejoice in you. So in that family situation that we were just talking about, how does that verse translate into walking that out? Well, I mean, you you keep your focus on the Lord and you just know that, hey, God is, this person might be sandpaper in my life. God is working on me and he might be using this person who loves to needle me or loves to uh, to get after me in situations. And I just need to say, okay, Lord, you're using this for my good. Um, as, as Job said, when he got the terrible news, hey, you lost all your money, you lost your servants and you lost all your children in one day. And he He worships and says, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I shall return there. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And you just trust God and you're kind to that person. You know, the scripture says that when we uh, do good to those who are doing evil to us, you heap burning coals on their head and the Lord will reward you for that. Uh, It's hard for somebody to be ugly and nasty to you if you keep coming back with kindness and uh, don't return insult for insult, insult, but give a blessing instead. And I think it's also hard to to harbor ill will and animosity, hatred, whatever synonym you want to use. It's hard to harbor that in your heart towards someone when you are praying for that person, which is another command pray always and right. every, you know, and, and so I think that those things link together so importantly and, and strategically, because when we're really praying for someone, even if it's through gritted teeth, <laughs> but if we're praying for somebody, it, it's hard to continue to hold in your heart that same level of animosity towards them. Yeah. When, if you're struggling with bitterness toward a family member or a friend or just a neighbor, somebody, um, if you'll pray for that person, that God would work in that person's heart, that God would bless that person, that God, you know, it's the kindness of God that leads men to repentance. The Bible tells us in the book of Romans. So pray for God's kindness to be poured out over that person. It's very hard when you're praying that to stay angry and resentful and bitter at that person because God changes your heart toward them because now you're starting to see them the way God sees them. 
and you're now you're 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 looking at them as someone whom Jesus loves, someone whom Jesus died for. I was listening to a sermon today, and uh, the preacher was saying how odd it was that the greatest revival in the Old Testament, the Book of Jonah, and Jonah's uh, witness to the Ninevites. The Ninevites uh, that he he after that he wanted to kill himself. I mean, he had no he had no love for those people, and it's such a contrast. God loves the the wicked. He wants to see the wicked repent. He said, "I have no pleasure in the death of anyone who dies." Says the Lord. Therefore, repent and live. Ezekiel eighteen thirty two. And so we need to see people from God's perspective, and to know that hey, if it weren't for the grace of God. We'd be separated from him forever. And God loves us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. And uh, so we should be people that are so gracious and so compassionate compassionate, and so patient with people because God was patient with us. And just so thankful. I mean, that's the last part of that passage you preached on yesterday. In everything, give thanks for this is um, God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And again, it goes back to the fact that having that grateful heart is a choice that we get to make. And what's interesting is I I heard this a long time ago. I don't remember from whom, but it says, um, you know, the opposite of being thankful and grateful is is to be complaining and whining and griping and just meh, you know, Um, and that complaining is like bad breath. You can smell it on other people, but you don't necessarily smell your own, right? Mm-hmm. And so so often we can we can pick up on other people not being thankful, not being grateful and not even realize that we ourselves are struggling with having that same bad attitude. And it does all boil back down to it's a choice that we have to make, a choice to be thankful, a choice to be grateful and to see that in all situations. Well, I think the Old Testament is uh, is clear with the examples of the grumblers in the wilderness. You know, Moses dealt with the children of Israel, probably two million people, uh, and they grumbled. That was kind of their default setting was to grumble. And I have to ask myself the question, is that my default setting? To grumble and complain, do all things the Bible says without grumbling. Now, Debbie, you know from living with me that I like that Greek word for grumble, which yes, is gongusmos, uh, because that's an onomatopoeia. That's a, a word that sounds like it's meaning. And uh, to grumble is to murmur, is to gongusmos, gongusmos. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like a growl. God hates grumbling. It's fingernails on a chalkboard to God. He just hates it. We hate it as parents when our kids grumble and gripe and whine and complain. We want our kids to be grateful and thankful. Well, God wants his kids to be grateful and thankful too. And so the command is given in everything, give thanks for this is God's will in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now, not everything is God's will. Rape is not God's will. Murder is not God's will. Theft is not God's will. No, evil is God's will. But it's in that uh, situation. God says, even in that, give thanks because I'm over it all and I can use it for good as you trust me. Well, we're going to be taking your calls in the next segment. 888-589-8840. We'd love to talk to you about surviving the holidays. 888 589-8840 and we'll talk to you after the break. 
Hi, and welcome back to the broadcast. Pastor Jeff Shreve here. I'm uh, with my wife, Debbie, and we are filling in for Will and Miki. We're talking about surviving the holidays and thriving through the holidays, and we look forward to taking your call in this segment. The number to call in is 1-888-589-8840, 1-888-589-8840. Debbie, you were talking about thankfulness. Yes, we were talking about the fact that we're commanded to do that, to give thanks and everything. And I was just thinking that just based on your God-given temperament, that comes naturally easier for some people than others. Uh, some people just have a natural tendency to see the glass half full with their favorite ice in it and a cherry, you know, and then other people just by God-given temperament, they see the glass half empty, you know, and um, but that doesn't negate the fact that the command is unilateral. It's for everybody. Mm-hmm. And um, and sometimes when it comes to being thankful, the Bible talks about that we have to offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving, that it's not something that's easy to do, that it, that it costs us something. And the Bible tells us in Psalm 50, verse 23, that he who offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving honors me. And uh, there are times when that's required of us that, you know, through tears, we're still making the choice to be thankful and to be grateful. Right. It's so, so important. And uh, that Psalm 50, verse 23, when you do offer the sacrifice of thanksgiving, just know that that tells God, God, I trust you. I may not understand this, but I trust you. And that is a witness to a lost and dying world. Well, we have Gary from Memphis on the broadcast. Gary, welcome. Yes, sir. Uh Dr. Shreve, boy, you and your wife are just the perfect one to fill in for this program because they picked a good one in you guys because you are just really offering a lot to all of our all of the listeners today on American Family Radio, and uh, the subject matter is phenomenal. And you know, you picked a wonderful wife because she is brilliant in all <laughs> of her suggestions to the program. Thank you, Gary. My goodness, what a what a uh, knowledge of the scriptures does she have? But Anyway, I've heard you on preaching on Sundays on the on the TV. You know, I think you all are from Texarkana way, but I yes. just that they picked you to fill in for American Family Radio was you know you're just really doing a great job. And it, what what were your your comments about you know getting along with family members and all? I mean, my my family, like everyone's family, is so politically divided, and and you know the truth is we're not going to change anybody's view politically what changes lives is the lord and 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 our response like you said and like your wife said if is our love you know you know they'll know us by our love you know that's right. what the, the lord said himself and uh, that's that's the key it's not it's not in because the, the the solution is not political anyway <laughs> ultimately the only right. solution is is in the lord messiah you know messiah Yeshua. you know and I don't know if you guys are Messianic believers, but um, I am, and I just that just makes it all the more better. And I, I love American Family's emphasis on the weekends, particularly Saturday, about about their Messianic emphasis. And we, my wife and I, have been Sherathon. You know, uh, people will go and help them in Sherathon, and I just love their their programming. All their programming is wonderful, and I just just Amen. Love your your contribution to it today. That's all I wanted to say. Well, hey, Gary, thanks so much for calling. Thank you for your kind comments. And you're right. We don't, uh, you know, winning a political argument doesn't help somebody come into the kingdom. Uh, we love them. Uh, they might be 
uh, out in left field with their thoughts and their their comments and the things that they say at the dinner table. But we still love them and we point them to Jesus. So thanks so much for your call. Uh, we have Mark from Texas. Mark, welcome to the broadcast. Thank you, Pastor, for taking my call and to Miss Debbie. I just want to make a comment. You know, as someone coming from the Philippines, I uh, grew up on an island, and I've been here in the United States 33-plus years now, and I am saddened by my observation that many Americans are really not knowing what being grateful is. Mm. Uh, On the island where I live, um, we had to buy eggs by the piece, cooking oil by the spoonful, uh, mm. salt by a spoonful, even uh, butter. We had to buy that by the slice. And here we are in the United States with all the abundance. And yes. I think people have just taken it for granted that this is a given. Yes. Mm. So, That's a great, uh, very convicting. That's the comment I wanted to share. Well, don't go anywhere, Mark. Um, I got to tell you, I went to the Philippines a few years ago and loved it. Uh, I think the Filipino people are some of the sweetest people I've ever met. And they are grateful people and thankful people. And so uh, that's a good word that you're giving to us because uh, God doesn't owe us anything. Everything is a gift. And we need to be grateful and thankful for the abundance that we have and maybe for the little that we have. You know, not everybody has abundance, but it's just uh, whatever the Lord gives you is a gift and we need to be grateful. So, Mark, thanks so much for calling. We have Jerry from Mississippi. Thank you, you, brother. Jerry from Mississippi. Jerry, welcome to the broadcast. Hey, Pastor Jeff. How are you doing? Doing well. How are you? All right. My question is, what happens to a person uh, who's not saved, who doesn't know the Lord, right after they die? Do they immediately go into torment, or you just go to a place to judgment. I just want you to comment on that for me. Thank you. Yes. Well, the Bible teaches for the believer, you know, absent from the body is present with the Lord. And Jesus told the thief on the cross, uh, truly, I say to you today, you shall be with me in paradise. And so he went to the place of the righteous dead. The unbeliever, when that person dies, they go to the place of the unrighteous dead. Now, uh, in the, in the scripture, in the Old Testament, we read about a place called Sheol. Sheol was the place of the dead. Sheol, think about it like a, a huge holding place. And Sheol had two compartments. You had Abraham's bosom or paradise, which was like heaven, heaven-ish. And then you had a big chasm. And then you have another place in that great place called Sheol, which was called Hades. Hades is the place of the unrighteous dead. And uh, so when Jesus came and he went to paradise, when he died on the cross, truly, I say to you today, you shall be with me in paradise. He went to the righteous dead and said, I am the one that you put your faith and trust in. You may not have known my name. You just knew that I was God's provision for you. You trusted me. He took uh, he took all those in paradise and he took them to heaven to be a, with the father. Uh, Hades is still populated. And when a person dies without Christ, he goes to Hades. Hades, think about it like uh, 
kind of you commit a crime, you go to jail. You don't go straight to prison. You go to jail. Jail is the holding cell uh, before your date with the court and your appearance before the judge. And so all those in in Hades are going to one day appear before the Lord Jesus Christ, Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15, and they are going to be judged according to their deeds. And then from there, they go into the lake of fire, which is, the Bible says is the second death. So that's, uh, that's what happens. And I believe that Luke chapter 16 gives us insight into that as Jesus told the story of uh, Lazarus and the rich man. The rich man theologians call him Dives. Lazarus and Dives. Uh, Lazarus went to Abraham's bosom or paradise and Dives uh, didn't have faith in God. He ended up in hell and in Hades. And so I uh, appreciate that question, Jerry. hope that is helpful. Uh, the number is one eight 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 five eight nine eight eight four zero. We are taking your calls as we talk about surviving the holidays and thriving through the holidays and allowing God to use you through the holidays and in the holidays and use you as a witness to shine and share with family members that uh, that don't know Jesus. I think all of us uh, have some extended family that don't know the Lord. I know I do. And so I look forward to opportunities to being around them, to talk to them about Jesus, not to cram anything down their throats, but just, just to uh, to be a presence, to be a witness, to be maybe a silent witness. Sometimes that just shining for Christ is, uh, is what they need. And then just praying, God, give me an opportunity. Help them uh, to have a soft heart, an open heart. Maybe they ask a question about this or that, and that gives me an opportunity to share with them. Well, I know one thing that, that Gary said on his call that I thought was was so interesting is a, about the fact that politics aren't going to save anybody. And I was just thinking about how divided we are right now. And the enemy is using so many different tools and weapons to keep us divided. I mean, you just think about it. We have the the political differences. We have different views on COVID. Are you going to wear a mask? Are you not going to wear a mask? Are you going to get a shot? Are you not going to get a shot? Um, he has us divided by race. I mean, he just is using is on the attack so forcefully now with so many different weapons. And uh, we just have to recognize that for what that is. And especially with our family, we don't have to agree on all of these things to love each other. Right. That is just not required of us that we see eye to eye on everything. And there may be some issues because of that different lens that you see through that you just don't need to talk about, agree to disagree and just continue to love each other and to move on and to not talk about those things. But um, we have to always go back to the fact that it's not a person that's our enemy. Satan is our enemy. Right. And uh, we have to keep that in our, in our sights. Right. You know, yeah. Satan uses people, but the the right. battle is not against flesh and blood. Right. Well, we have Susan from Virginia. Susan, welcome to the broadcast. Hey, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Sure. Um, What's well, on your mind today? Uh, Jeff, yeah, and I listen to you actually in the evening when I drive home after uh, um, the Hamilton show. So I'm well, well familiar with your ministry, um, and I'm so glad you guys are on today. You touched on family brokenness and... 
I never thought I would see it in my own family, but I have four adult children. The oldest three are daughters. They're in their 30s now, and a couple have children. And um, just some brokenness came to the surface a few years ago when one of them got married, and it has just caused a division in our family. And so here at Thanksgiving, you know, I'm not going to have all of them here uh, because of that. And I just really appreciated just your comments and the reminder about um, loving them through Christ. I know that one of them is really challenging, has a lot of some mental challenges, and, and I literally do have to pray that God can show me how to love her through Him. Mm. Because, you know, in my, sorry, in my own um, human frailty, I can't. But through right. Him, I can mm. And he, right. he does, his Holy Spirit does, does give that to me. So I'm going to play back your program and take a lot of notes because um, I was driving with, for part of it. But I just really appreciated what you had to say. So. Well, Susan, nothing breaks a mother's heart more than her children, A, her children hurting, and B, her children not being in fellowship with each other. And uh, so my my heart hurts for you in that. But I do know that God works miracles and that he um, can bring about reconciliation and he can bring about forgiveness. He can bring about change. He can restore things. And um, we just have to keep looking to him, trusting him, believing that he's capable, able to do that. Um, and just give that situation to the Lord and try and keep it with him and not continually take it the burden back on ourselves. And that's so hard to, hard to do. It's easy to say, and we even know that's the right thing to do. But man, walking that out can be so hard as a mom because you take so much of that burden upon yourself. And so I um, just want to encourage you to keep your eyes on the Lord and just, just trust him that he loves your kids more than you ever could. And he loves you. And um he wants to see reconciliation and restoration take place. Amen. I tell people in counseling often, I say, listen, uh, what I'm going to tell you is the truth and it's, it's right and it's what you need to do, but it's not easy to do. So uh, just know if I'm you, I'm struggling to do this too. So when we talk about 1 Thessalonians 5, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. Easy to say, easy to understand, not easy to do. But God will bless you if you will do it, even if it's through clenched teeth, even if you feel like my heart is not in this. Do what God says to do by faith and watch God work. And watch your feelings catch up. Right. Watch your feelings catch up to your actions because they will over time. So if you offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving, God is honored and God will bless you for honoring him. The Lord says in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30, the one who honors me, him will I honor. Thank you so much for being with us today. We look forward to being uh, back again next uh, uh, tomorrow. And we're going to talk about the subject of being single when you want to be married. So I look forward to being with you tomorrow. God bless. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.